previously on the Adventure Zone. I think you are surprised when you cut clean through the pole. Whoops! And with that, the wind finally catches the Pizza Hut sign like a sail, and it falls over into the store. Rocketeer that motherfucking sign off my dome, man. Are you sure? You don't want me to, like, bring it to you? No, I'm not fucking sure, but this is the best shot I got. Come on. You are instantly unconscious from this uh, huge amount of blunt force trauma you experience. The number that called you, it was from the uh, Eastwood Campground and uh, RV Park. You hear the phone ring inside of Ned's room. My name is Indrid Cold. I'm known as something different to the folks of this area. I don't prefer this title myself, but... Well, I'm the Mothman. See you tomorrow. Come on, take me to adventure. The zone that you know that I know that you took me to once before. When I was just a young preacher's daughter. Oh boy. Showed me the way to the zone. (laughs) The adventure zone. Take me again. Only 20 dusty years have passed between then and now, but I still think fondly back to the trip that you took me to the zone, (laughs) that adventure zone. Take me again to that adventure zone. Bobby Gentry is back. Yeah, I don't actually have that much prepared for this episode, so if you could just do that for an hour, that would be actually good, and it would buy me a couple weeks to, like, actually write some shits. That's the new theme song to the Adventure Zone that I will repeat at any point. Thank you, Dad. It is inspired by the work of Bobby Gentry. She's been out of the picture for uh, 30-some-odd years, so I'm stepping in to fill the gap. Inspired by cocaine and rhinestones? Yeah, indeed. Yeah. Mm. My new favorite podcast. I'm pushing it here. And they've done a lot of prep work probably on that show. Um, <laughs> they've done a lot of research for their episode. And maybe they didn't spend the last, like, uh, you know, 10 days on a uh, on a, a whistle-stop tour of our country's beautiful southeastern little panhandle zone. So um, this is a, this is just us, a mini a mini-sode, telling you to go listen to Cocaine Rhinestones. They've done their work. <laughs> You want to hear my song again? Um, I, I mean, can you add like 18 more stanzas onto it? No, let's just play. <laughs> so we pick uh, back yeah. up in the hospital room, and yeah, Aubrey's no, still on the phone, and she says, I'm sorry, did you say Muffin Man? <laughs> I was actually planning on fast-forwarding a little bit. Oh, okay. Uh, all right, I'll do... Uh, okay. Now you do a joke, Justin. Oh, wait, no, you did uh, one. Dad, you do a joke. Okay. Uh, what do you call a mothman without any wings? What? A man? (laughs) (laughs) All right, all right, all right. It was the delivery. The delivery got me real good. I saved it with my delivery. Yeah. Um, so I want to jump forward to the following afternoon after, uh, yesterday's sort of hectic events. Um, and the three of you are uh, at the Eastwood Campground and RV Park, the location that Jake Coolice uh, pulled out of the phone book using his just sort of remarkable phone book scanning technology. Um, Ned, you, you're feeling better after a night's sleep. You're, Holy you're certain, crap, you, really? Well, well, you woke up and you, were, uh, you didn't suffer like uh, you know, severe 
head trauma, um, as uh, the the doctors might have feared at first, uh, and they were a bit, they had some reservations about, you know, uh, releasing you from the hospital, discharging you, um, but you have recovered fairly well. Go ahead and recover one more harm. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. So, so you not are, dead. Not dead. Oh, you were never dead. You were unstable, um, but then you, you should have healed one while you were in the hospital, which would have put, made you stable again, and now you're at two harms. So, you know, you're pretty bruised up. You're um, So you are all at the Eastwood Campground and RV Park where this uh, telephone call, these two telephone calls, rather, seem to have originated from. Uh, Mama and Jake have headed back to uh, the lodge for uh, for the day, getting some work done there. And uh, yeah, so there's there's still some snow on the ground. It is the middle of December, after all. Um, and this campground on RV Park, as you might imagine, is fairly empty because it's the middle of the winter. There's not too many campers out. Um, this, this RV Park is kind of a tacky-looking place. I, I think there's a lot of different camping opportunities in, in Kepler in the sort of... Uh, eastern monongahela forest area and this is not one of the sort of more um more natural ones um and in fact it is it is mostly empty there's there's just one uh vehicle uh parked out here it's got its uh you know stuff all connected to the uh the different utilities coming out of this box it's got some water running into it it is in fact uh, a big old boxy long just beast of corrugated metal just this hideous brown thing with a racing stripe zigzagging uh across the car making a a tall proud w just before the driver's compartment it is a is a beautiful winnebago um, and there's some light flickering sort of gently against the uh, the tinted windows, uh, is sort of suggesting that there is somebody inside. What do you do? Duck, you should knock. Well, now, why, why me? Why have I been uh, nominated for this, this illustrious honor? You're an authority figure. <sighs> I, I mean, I watch, o- I, I watch over trees. I'm basically a, a wood elf with a flashlight. Yeah, but I don't have a flashlight. Ned doesn't have a flashlight. You have a flashlight and a hat and a and a badge? Do you have a badge? I'll tap on the window. Okay. Uh, excuse me? Hello? What um, do I see? What do I see inside? It's, it's, it's pretty well tinted. You actually cannot see inside through the window, windows. But as you tap, uh, the front door to the Winnebago uh, facing you just opens up. And the, the man who opens the door is... He is, he is just, he is fascinating to look at. He is, he's kind of gaunt. He's kind of withering away, um, but he, he looks confident and strong as he answers the door to face you. He looks, like, he looks young, but also kind of wrinkled. Uh, He's got short silver hair with just sort of hints of of black peeking through. Uh, He's wearing a tank top and some jeans, and you feel this just burst of hot air as the door swings open. And uh, that's that's likely from the fleet of space heaters you can now see uh, inside the Winnebago that is keeping his habitat a, a, a suitable temperature. Uh, and he's he's wearing this pendant of uh, this orange crystal material. But his most eye-catching feature are his glasses. They are large and round and just this impenetrable reflective red. You, you all catch your reflection in them uh, as he answers the door. And he says, Okay. Go ahead. Uh, where are your wings? Obviously, you can't see them right now because I'm wearing my disguise. Would you like to see my wings? Yes. yes. I don't know you very well, so no, not not quite yet. Then why did you ask? It seems like kind of crappy to just offer like that and then yank it away. I certainly would. Pardon my rude friends. Hello, I'm Ned, Ned Friendly, Friendly Chicane. Chicane. Um, yes, I know who all of you are. I... I Conversation is difficult for me because I'm always going to be just a little bit ahead. Um, but if if you, what, what am, am I going to say, say now? now? Yeah, it's, ah, ah, nice, nice. nice. So um, yeah, come on in. We uh, have important things to discuss, and not much time to discuss them if my estimations are correct. Real quick, over here, a little parlay over here, if you don't mind. Uh, it seems like a weird time, but sure. What's up? Mm-hmm. We need to get his glasses. Need to get his glasses. What? Yeah, the, the bounty, the, the m- a seer spectacles. Yeah, the Marmaduke. Thing. Ah, damn. All right. Well, that's something we're gonna keep in our pocket. 
when it makes the most sense. But you are right. Thank you for the reminder. We will steal this man's. <laughs> man, let me try to say that again in a cool way. We will steal this man's glasses. Not, you know, it's funny. It feels mean, no matter how many different ways I say it. It does feel like a mean, non-heroic action, if I'm being honest. Well, thank God one of us has experience in stealing things that doesn't belong to him. Yeah, but glasses, man. I mean, it just seems kind of fucked up. Maybe he's got a spare pair. Like, he's got, like, a I'm not going to steal his glasses. If y'all want to for another, I don't know, experience point, Zenny, I don't exactly know. Uh, what we're stealing stuff for, but if y'all want to, you go nuts. Uh, he motions you all inside, and you enter his Winnebago. It is holy moly, it's hot. Hot, there. it's hot as hell. Woo! I think you all feel the sort of impulse to to remove your winter outerwear uh, and sort of protect yourself against the just like searing heat coming off of these four space heaters that are kind of precariously plugged into one uh, big chunky power strip. Um, it is. It is not the cleanest in here. It is not. Uh, it is not the cleanest space you've ever been in. Uh, it's. It almost kind of reminds you of Mama's office, uh, pre sort of Barclay cleaning it up. There is a, a big old map of Kepler up on the wall with so many pins in it that you actually kind of have a hard time deciphering that. Oh, this is in fact a map of of Kepler. Um, there is just like dirty dishes all over the place. You see an old like mcdonald's commemorative set of batman drinking glasses that have like eggnog in them ancient nog uh so he takes you over to uh, he actually folds down there's like a a table that he just kind of brushes some junk off of and he folds it up into the wall and a sort of couch pops into place uh and he offers you all a seat and he says can i uh get you all anything to drink or eat or oh god no 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 thanks i haven't entertained guests in quite some time so uh, I, I apologize that I don't have more to offer. Mr. Mothman. Please, uh, uh, can you call me Indrid? It's, I don't prefer Mothman. All right, Indrid. Um, are you, like, super into Nog, or what's the story? Who isn't, he says, and he takes a, a, a belt of some nah, fresh Nog from nah, the fridge. Nah, nah. He uh, after he finishes taking a drink, uh, and you all have sort of gotten gotten as comfortable as you're gonna get in this room. Uh, he walks over to this one wall that is opposite you. Uh, it is uh, just next to this this big map, and there are uh, like eight pencil sketches of just like various things. It looks like he just kind of walked around Kepler and just sketched some things, uh, just some local buildings. And there's one of the, uh, the funicular tram that, that connects the topside and riverside. And there's, uh, one of, uh, there's one of the cryptonomica. There's just lots of just sort of sketches. And as he's, uh, uh it sort of getting you all comfortable in this room, he, sort of perks up and he walks over and he uh, takes down one of the drawings and crumples it up and throws it away. Uh, and he says, uh, I know you all have lots of questions and I actually know what most of those questions are going to be, um, but in the interest of m- making this feel like a normal conversation, what what is it that you all want to know before I tell you what I need? Can I have your glasses? <laughs> no, I really... Like, do you have, like, do you have an old pair... Why do you need like, bro- you need my glasses for for what reason? A big cat. I thought you would know what reason. Oh, I'm not a mind reader. I that's that's not really how this works. I I have no I have no conceivable idea why you need my glasses other than the fact that they're very stylish. All right, keep your glasses. Listen, I I what is going on with the? Okay, let me back up even further. Uh, it seems like snow or wind has been acting all goofy. I don't know how to put it in like the technical fantasy terms, but it's been acting all shitty and weird. Um, do you know what the story is? What, what's causing it? He, uh, he says, hmm. And he, he turns and he crumples up another one of those drawings and throws it away. And he says, there are a lot more powers that are misbehaving at the moment than just the snow or just the wind. I, okay, so I can see the future, cool, mm-hmm. in a manner of speaking, and I'm gotten pretty good at it. There is something out there that is changing 
the future, or rather, maybe changing the present to alter the future. This this might be kind of complicated. So I was the court seer when I was still in Sylvain. This was well over a century ago, so it's been some time, and. The power that I developed there, thanks to the, the powers that I inherited from Sylvain, were the, the power of clairvoyancy. It's not like seeing what's going to happen a few minutes from now. I see several hundred futures that could potentially come to pass. Imagine that you're sitting in front of a big wall of televisions, hundreds of them, and there are different television shows on those screens all starting at different times. That's that's what I see, potential futures. Sometimes I see patterns. I see several nearly identical futures, maybe suggesting a higher likelihood that they'll come to pass. Um, sometimes I see futures disappear when events render them impossible. But something is making the patterns change more quickly than even I can track. Something Something unnatural, he says, and he crumples up another drawing and throws it away. I don't know whatever it is, but I'm assuming it has something to do with the abominations, and I figured that I could help you all out. I haven't really been in the uh, interference game ever since, you know, the Silver Bridge, but I, I, I figured maybe this would be a pretty good chance to do so. Silver Bridge? Yeah, it was It was a back a, a, quite a while. I'll tell the story as, as we know it, um, because I... I... I have to imagine that your take on it is probably a little bit um, different from ours, but uh, back around the Point Pleasant, when a lot of people were citing Mr. Cold and and the Mothman quite a bit, uh, there was a disaster. Silver Bridge there in Point Pleasant collapsed and uh, took took a bunch of people with it. Forty six people. Yeah. Oh. Yes, it was. Uh, it was certainly my most newsworthy failure. He says, and he crumples it up. Uh, crumples up another drawing. He says, I, "I came to this world, like I said, a, a little around a, uh, about a century ago, and I came here trying to find answers for the difficulties that my world is experiencing. Instead, I found myself falling in love with your world and wanting to protect its people from harm. But it seems like." People weren't especially interested in listening to me, which I can't blame them for. I did try to remain sort of mysterious and clandestine about my warnings. That was my undoing. But after the Silver Bridge, I I walked away from the soothsaying business. It was too much, too much failure, too much, believe it or not, unpredictability. But but whatever is happening now, this is not. These are not natural occurrences. This is something else entirely, and it's something that needs to be stopped. And he crumples up another drawing. Wait, hold on. Is this like a jinx thing? Like, this is like, because, like, we saw, you know, the sign falling. Like, that could be, oh, just an accident. And, like, the car accident with the Gatorade bottle under the pedal. Like, oh, it's just an accident. But if something is changing fate, is it like a jinx curse kind of deal? If that were the case, that would mean that this abomination you're facing off against is stronger than any the Pine Guard has ever faced in its illustrious career. That would be very unfortunate indeed. And he crumples a few drawings off the wall now, uh, and he closes his eyes, and he pulls the last remaining drawing off the wall. It is the drawing of the funicular train. Uh, And he looks at it, and he looks up at you, and he says, Okay. The funicular train that connects Topside and Riverside is about to come crashing down the mountain, slamming into town, and destroying the the base station. There are three passengers on it right now. They'll all be killed, and an engineer at the base station will be injured as well, but he'll pull through. Good news, though. You have six minutes this time. And he hands you all the drawing. Go. He says, yes, go. I'll be back for those glasses. Will the road get us completely there? We're not going to switch to your bobcat or whatever now. Tracks ST1, Travis. <laughs> 400 horsepowers of snow cruising speed, man. Sorry, that just, I have to take a moment. Dad, I think, is the first person in history to ever say the plural horsepowers. 
because 400 <laughs> horsepower is like, I don't even know how far I could get. Running very fast, super beauty, flight. That's only three horsepowers. I can't even think of 400 altogether. Pooping? Pooping? If you've pooping, never been around pooping, pooping, eating lots of pooping. oats in one sitting is very and impressive. I thought it was supposed to be horses power. Good at oats. <laughs> like Good. attorneys general. Something like that. Um, you all pull into the uh, topside station for the funicular tram that connects Kepler's two halves. Uh, it took you, let's say, like three and a half minutes to get over here. You were you were pretty close. Um and as you all approach the station, you all probably know it fairly well. Like this is mainly the this is like the main form of public transport in all of Kepler. Um, and it sort of keeps you from having to like drive up this sort of winding mountain road that can get kind of treacherous, especially in the winter. Um, and especially during sort of peak tourist season, it can get pretty busy. Um, but as you approach, um, you all see the station. So both the train and this station are fairly old. Uh, it's been in operation for well over 30 years at this point. Uh, the station has like the same alpine cabin aesthetic as uh, other buildings on top side uh, with just sort of a large uh, open wall at the end of the station where the uh, the, the tram comes in uh, and a boarding platform where riders can, can access the arriving tram. Uh, this funicular just has a, a single rail and a single car. It's takes about six minutes for a full trip uh, between the the two stations. There is a small parking lot just outside of the station where commuters can sort of leave their cars as they transfer between the two halves of of Kepler. Duck, among the cars parked here, you see a Monongahela Forest Service truck. Uh, Whose is it? Do I recognize? Um, Yeah, there is a name uh, on the door. It is Ranger Juno Devine's uh, Forest Service truck. Uh, so what do we do? <laughs> I, uh, I, I'm just a, I'm just a tough, <laughs> I'm just a tough guy. I, I'm gonna do kind of a scan for see if there, because now that we know that possibly some, something or someone is acting on this, I'm gonna like scan and look for anybody or any strange shapes or shadows or anything like that. Just anything. Sure. You are outside of the station or do you want to go inside of the station? And I'm not saying, I'm not saying there is a wrong or right choice. There is Uh, stuff. I'm going to start. I mean, we pulled up first things first, just like, Okay. Scan and you just at, you just and, hop out of Ned's car and do a, a, a pass for, for read a bad situation. I'm assuming. Yes. Yes. Okay. Go ahead and roll it. Nope. Oh my hey guys. god! Oh my the god! Worst possible read. <laughs> like, like Aubrey looked around and was like, "I think this is a dream." <laughs> no, it's, it's, no, it's all a dream. Trust me, I've read this situation. Oh, it was a two, folks. Uh, yeah, it was a two. Okay, guys. Uh, go ahead and mark experience. Mm-hmm. I get to take a hard move. I'm not going to take a super hard move since that was sort of a, uh, you know, a preliminary. Uh, look around. Were you using your your third eye? Yes. Yeah. I'll be honest. Yeah, I mean, well, that's, I mean, that's like, I was going to. Yes. Yeah, I figured when you said scan, um, you just get a, a pretty bad headache. You just get you just get kind of a, 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 a you don't really notice anything, you, and you you sort of kick on your third eye, uh, and it sort of immediately kicks off. And when it does, like you just feel like this really quick sort of stabbing pain uh like in your in your temples uh but then it quickly passes okay uh yeah i'm not even gonna make you mark harm because it's it just comes and it goes anybody else want to do something uh i would probably yeah i mean are we in shouting distance um i mean it, it would be probably not because they are the station is like an indoor building um Time to if, go into the station, then. Let's. I, I think Duck is going to, and y'all can do what what you like. But Duck's probably going to rush into the station to see who's who's still in there, what the deal is. Okay. Yeah, I think Aubrey is going to as well. Ned, you going to do anything while you're still outside? Uh, no. I'll I'll follow them cautiously. Okay. Um. All right. You all race into the station and. As you enter, there is a desk just in front of the entryway next to a turnstile that grants access to uh, the tram beyond. There is uh, an engineer here behind the desk, uh, a broad-shouldered dude wearing a a Mount Kepler ski trails fleece. Uh, He's got a radio clip to his belt. 
Um, uh, he also has a space heater back behind his desk, keeping him warm, uh, because there is a serious draft coming in through the, you know, open wall of this station. Uh, a tram has just arrived and is taking on passengers. There is, uh, what, what looks to be a fairly like bougie, uh, man and woman canoodling on two open seats inside the tram. Just some, just, uh, unsightly PDA happening there. Um, and, uh, there is a third person who is just about to walk through the automated sliding doors to board the, uh, funicular, and it is Ranger Juno Divine. Juno, stop. Uh, she does. She stops as, uh, she, and she's kind of just sort of hanging out of the, uh, the tram door now. She says, oh, hey, duck, what are you doing here? Are you, are you about to hit the trails? I would say that while this is happening, Aubrey just keeps going for the tram, for the door, and maybe, like, shoves past Juno into the tram itself. Oh. Like, jumps the turnstile, let's be honest. Jumps the turn. Okay, you're jumping the turnstile? Yes. Okay, that engineer at the desk says, uh, Hey, you need to stop. Hey, you need oh, to get piss back. off. I've, I've got, that's all right here. Let me take care of it. I'm local businessman Ned Devine. Uh, here, <laughs> how much is it? Five, ten dollars? What did you say your name was? Local businessman Ned Devine. Ned Devine? That's not your name. Yeah. No, I know. I, I didn't know that you and Juno were related. That's cool. Waking Ned Devine is a movie that came out like <laughs> 10 years ago. <laughs> I am. Too. How much is it? God damn it. How much you need? Here's 10 bucks. Is that all right? Well, I mean, a trail pass is uh, 40 bucks a person for 40 the 40 bucks a per. Home. I mean, it's peak season, man. What do you need? Would you guys like to work out a co-promotion with a lovely place called the Cryptonomica? You know, they they take a ride with you, and then for an extra five bucks, they get admission to the Cryptonomica. I can see it tying in very nicely. Let's talk uh, about it, you and me. Let's talk. I mean, if you're trying to if you're trying to convince him to like let you all through, that would be a manipulate someone role. Manipulate someone. I'm going to manipulate him. Eight plus one charm. Uh, okay, so you got a nine on a seven to nine. They'll do it, but only if you do something for them right now to show that you mean it. If you ask too much, they'll tell you what, if anything, it would take for them to do it. Ned gives him five free passes to the Cryptonomica and says, come and see the place or have your bosses come and see the place. See what a great tie-in it would be. And we would like to do the same by taking a ride on your tram to kind of see, you know, if it's worth promoting with you guys as well. See, it's kind of a, I scratch your back, you scratch mine. Uh, Mr. Devine, I'll make you a deal. These five passes are good. It's, I just it's chicane. Wa- it's chicane. Okay, Mr. Chicane, I'll tell you something. I'll tell you, these five passes are nice. It sounds like a museum's a lot of fun, but um, I want one other thing, and that's $40 per person per day for the ski trail passes. It's just a, it's 120 bucks, and y'all can go about, you know, hit the slopes and do whatever you want. Well, you, you can knock some of that off with the passes to the Cryptonomica, right? Okay, yeah, it's $118. <laughs> All right, That's here. About- <laughs> let me write you a check. I have my checkbook right here. Okay. You are me- writing him probably what is going to be a fake check that is going to super bounce. Uh, yes. And while that is happening, we can do uh, Duck talking to Juno. Uh, she steps back out of the car, and she says, uh, and Aubrey, you said you ran into the car? Correct. Okay, we'll resolve we'll get the other two. We will resolve that as we get to it. Um, Juno says, "Well, what do you need there, Doc? What's uh, what's uh, what's going on?" Uh, Juno is so embarrassing. Um, last week, uh, my truck got beat up, and I I had to take it over to Whistles, and he was while he was fixing it up, I had to borrow yours to run out uh, to to do a check on body of water in the tree zone <laughs> forest <laughs> fuck it was a body of water in the tree zone okay and i had uh, to check on it in your car and when i i drove your car without asking and i think i left my pants no wallet money i left my wallet in your truck and i was wondering if you could go look for it real quick all right, so that was all lies. Duck. Yeah, we've worked together for quite some time there, Buster. I I, I know when you're uh, you're pulling a fib. Literally everyone does. Juno, look in my eyes. Do you know when I'm pulling a fib? Yes, it's when you start stumbling over your words a whole lot and you say fuck a bunch. Juno, don't get in that car. 
Uh, let's jump inside the car. Aubrey, what are you doing? This, 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 uh, this couple is in here. I'm imagining sort of, um, Julia Louis Dreyfus and the other dude from, uh, Christmas Vacation. Just, yeah, uh, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. just ski bunnies, just kind of fawning over each other. Um, and, uh, they, uh, look up at you and I think the, the, uh, the woman whispers something to the man as, uh, as you come in that you can't quite make out. Hey, folks, um, you seem like the type that Is love... this a robbery? No, it's a magic <laughs> show. Um, y'all want to see some magic? And she... I, I work with the railway here to just provide a little uh, in-route entertainment. And so she's going to do an, uh, like a trick, a magic trick. Is this what um, the common but- folks enjoy, is magic tricks on their public transportation? Indeed they do. Um, allow me to demonstrate. And she's going to do something where, you know, like flash paper, okay. a light in her hands, but with the intention of doing it and uh, making it seem as though she has messed up the trick and trying to catch one of their sleeves on fire. Oh, uh, boy. Quick, quick update from me to you, the Adventure Zone listener. Uh, these characters, whatever their names are, are now the only ones I like on the whole show. <laughs> <laughs> and for the rest of Taz, is about these two characters for me. Thank you very much. Uh, okay, so is this a use magic roll if you're actually trying to set their set them on fire kind of but i'm using trick magic i want to make it super clear here aubrey is not trying to use real magic. are you saying that because you rolled a four no i'm saying it for reasons that will become <laughs> clear later okay um, um somebody pointed out something i didn't do last time that we could have totally done that i'm going to do now and i'm going to use luck oh okay to make that at 12 i was gonna say burn one of my luck slots with a four I wanted you to do sort of a Job Bluth like spray lighter fluid on them. Like, oh, but where did where did the lighter fluid come from? No, I'm I'm using a luck slot here to save two lives. Okay. Um, and when they're asleep, I'm gonna grab them. Like, oh, you gotta get out. Oh, we need help, and shove them out the door. Like, oh, we gotta get this taken care of right now. Sorry, so sorry, and shove them out the door of the tram. Muffy, Muffy, I'm burning, Muffy. <laughs> now wait, which one's Muffy, Griffin? Doesn't matter, does it? <laughs> Correct. Muffy, and what is the man's name? Can I vote for Winthrop? It's Muffy and Winthrop, yes. Uh, Justin knew it. Can he go by Winnie? Can it be Muffy and Winnie? Um, no, it's Winthrop and Muffy, and Winthrop's okay. sleeve is on fire. He stands up, yes, understandably kind of panicked, and he doesn't know what to do because he's never been on fire before. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, quick. Uh, we need some help. Oh, look, there's two rangers. They can help you and shove them out to the door. Okay. Uh, yeah, that works. And go ahead and mark off that luck point. This is a very, very valuable resource that you do not get back. So I'm expecting you to really keep track of that stuff. Okay. I am. However, Aubrey is going to stay in the car to investigate. Yeah, I don't know that there's necessarily anything to investigate right now. This is still like this is still a dangerous situation. So I think this would still be a read a bad situation. There's not like clues or somebody to talk to. You know what I'm saying? Okay, so maybe, like, steps outside the car and, like, looks up and down the track to read a bad situation. Can I see the track? Yes. Yeah, yeah. No, definitely. You can see the track. Um, yeah. The, okay, there we go. The um, the mechanics of the, the funicular tram uh, are that it's, it's just one rail with one car on it, uh, and there's a cable that is uh, tethered to the front of the car that uh, pulls it up the mountain. Uh, it mm-hmm. runs through a pulley. Uh, and then it connects to this counterweight that kind of slides beneath the tram. So as the tram sort of ascends, the counterweight drops down to the lower station. Uh, and as the tram descends, the counterweight rises up to sort of conserve uh, energy using physics. Um, and gotcha. there's, uh, there's, yeah, that's sort of how this, this all works. Um, so you want to read a bad situation out there? Yeah, so the question that I want answered is, what's the biggest threat? And I'm going to say that I'm looking for... I don't know, frayed wire or some kind of damage to the counterweight or something along those lines. Okay. Um, and, and I will also say that along with that, uh, she is going to attempt to use her third eye as well. Okay. Does the third eye count as a separate question or it just... Okay. Um, it says when you read, you can open up your third eye for a moment to take an, to take an extra information, take plus one hold on any result. Sure. Uh, okay. I got you. The invisible thing. All right. Here's what happens. Um, you look up and down the track. You take a look at sort of all of the mechanisms of the tram, uh, and you don't 
necessarily see anything threatening at all. And then flakes slowly start to appear outside. Um, and with that, your third eye, it just kind of, it just kind of goes wild. It, it looks like, uh, all of these flakes are kind of glowing as if it's all magic. Uh, all of this stuff that is falling from the sky is, is, is definitely magical in nature. Um, you also get, uh, you sense a presence, uh, out, back out the, uh, the front door of the, uh, station that you are in. Uh, you, you can't, you know, see this presence. You just kind of sense this, this, uh, magic power presence outside. Uh, and then you can see through the, the open wall of the station that, that the, uh, the, the storm outside quickly subsides. And now you can see the threat. There is a, a brake pad on the pulley that the, uh, cable attached to the, uh, the car runs through. Um, and, this brake pad has a bolt on it that is just kind of corroded through, and you can hear this brake pad like vibrating. You can hear it squeaking. Uh, there is the the pulley is kind of moving back and forth ever so slightly as it's vibrating, and with each kind of like tug that this pulley tries to to make as it tries to like uh, release some tension off the cable, uh, that bolt is sliding further and further out of its housing. Duck, car's clear, that bolt, the brakes are about to go. Out, out, there's something, parking lot, now. See, do you see, that's what I'm talking about, you know, it's it's dangerous, and you gotta take my word for it, and you gotta help me get, get these people out, I'll explain later, I promise. Aubrey's on the move. Yeah, for like, sure. Grabs, uh, grabs Muffy, grabs Winthrop. Come on, everybody, uh, well, I'll give you a ride back into town, come on! I think as you all are heading to the door... Uh, the engineer at his desk steps over the, uh, the, the, the sort of boarding area and looks down and sees that the brakes are about to go. And he says, oh, shit, I got to warn Mark. And he pulls up his radio and he says, Mark, come in. You got uh, uh, evacuate the, the base station, okay? This thing's about to come down. Mark? And he slaps his radio and there is nothing on the other end. And he looks up at the rest of you, and the brake pad just explodes. <laughs> Shit. Hey, everybody, this is Griffin McRoy, your best friend, your dungeon master, and your new boss. Same as the old boss. I love that rock and roll music. Thanks for listening to the Adventure Zone Amnesty episode 15. I uh, hope you are enjoying this this hectic, stressful one. They've all been kind of hectic and stressful this arc. I want to tell you about our uh, sponsors this week so we can get you right back to the rest of the episode. Hello, it's me, the internet's Travis McRoy. Yes, that's right. Powerful influencer, Travis McRoy. You know, people are always asking me, Travis, how did you become such a powerful influencer in the world? Well, I'll let you in on my secret. It's Squarespace. Yes, that's right. Squarespace, the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. You can stand out with a beautiful website, engage with your audience, and sell anything. Your products, content you create, or even your time. What? What influencer doesn't do that? I ask you. I'll wait. That's right. None of them. They all do that, and you can do it with Squarespace. Okay, here's uh, just as an aside, you can also use Squarespace even if you're uh, not an influencer, um, and even if the idea of being an influencer uh, makes you throw up a little bit in your mouth, don't worry, Squarespace is still useful. With Fluid Engine, a next-generation website design system from Squarespace, it's never been easier for anyone to unlock unbreakable creativity. With Fluid Engine, a next-generation website design system from Squarespace, it's never been easier for anyone to unlock unbreakable creativity, start with the best in class website template and customize every design detail with reimagined drag and drop technology for desktop or mobile. With Squarespace scheduling, clients can quickly view your availability and book their own reservations, appointments, or classes. And you can sell products on an online store. Whether you sell physical or digital products, Squarespace has the tools for you. So go to squarespace.com adventure for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code adventure to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. We have an aura frame here at our house and we primarily use it to show pictures of our kids and the fun stuff that we do. And my favorite thing about it is that it's so easy to upload pictures on that as soon as they get home from doing something fun, 
we just immediately put the pictures up there so we don't forget to do it. You know, because I, I've tried, we try to do picture frames and stuff in the past, and then we never remember to put them on. But with Aura, it's so easy to load it up that it has become kind of a, a digital scrapbook more than anything else. So if you have been looking to get the pictures that are trapped in your phone and set them free in a way that other people can see them, might I recommend Aura Frames. They're stylish, they're easy to use, you're gonna love it. And it was named the number one digital picture frame by Wirecutter, and for a good reason. It's so easy to set up, and they have different frame options, all kinds. And the best part is it comes with unlimited storage. So, right now you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frames with code ADVENTURE. That's A-U-R-A, frames.com, promo code ADVENTURE. Terms and conditions apply. Chicago, we're coming to you. We're coming for you. We're coming at you. And we're also coming to C2E2, and we're doing live shows, all a bunch of stuff in April. April 24th, we're going to be doing My Brother, My Brother and Me, which is nearly sold out, and Taz, which is selling out fast. So do not wait. April 25th is Taz. April 24th is My Brother, My Brother and Me. April 26th through the 28th, we're doing C2E2, scheduled to be announced. You can get your C2E2 badges now, but you do not need a badge to attend the live shows. Tickets for those shows are on sale at bit.ly slash Tours. All the information is there. Go check it out. Also, we've got a newsletter in case you've been wondering what's the best way to keep up with our new tour dates and announcements and stuff like that, go to bit.ly slash newsletter. And of course, check out all the merch over at macroymerch.com. A lot of great stuff. Fungalore sticker pack, um, naming of the year poster. Uh, we've got the little sailor man pin and 10% of all proceeds this month go to the Foundation for Black Women's Wellness. So go check it out, macroymerch.com. And now back to the show. Got some Jumbotrons here. Uh, this one is for my bri, and it's from Jules, who says, Hey, babe, happy late birthday anniversary or early Christmas. I'm not sure when this will be going up, but I just wanted to let you know how much I love you via our favorite adventuring brothers. As I'm writing this, you're still up in Thunder Bay planting trees, and I miss you so much every day, but you're probably home now. Call me. Let's go out. Um, and they wanted this in September, so they might still be up there just planting trees and i hope it's um you know this is charity work and the trees are wanted and it's not some sort of horrible tree prank like a johnny Appleseed. and here i am with my house i'm like where do all these fucking apple trees come from i didn't ask for this here's a message for isabel and it's from mike who says isabel you're the best thanks for introducing me to the brothers and clump and for generally being dope <laughs> sorry i forgot about uh, i forgot about clump and I, I promised I wouldn't. We've been on tons of real-life adventures and listened to some hilarious fake adventures, too. Occasionally, we've done both simultaneously. Can't wait for more of both. You're, you are stinky. Like, seriously. Love always. Mike, D, the RJ, and Dr. Coyote. Um, I did... The stinky thing was in there, I promise. I do not know you, Isabel. And even if I did, and you did have a stink about you, I would not put you on blast like this. Thanks to everybody who tweets about the show using the the Zonecast hashtag. If you do that, you might end up as a character on the show. Um, and it just, we really appreciate you spreading the word just because that's how we have managed to find the audience that we have. And we are constantly blown away by how fucking big and cool that audience is, especially when we were in uh, doing a live show in Atlanta this past weekend. Um, Y'all, it was nuts. We asked everybody to stand up if you're wearing cosplay and like every. Pretty was pretty much everybody. It was um, it was it was buck wild, and it's very humbling. Uh, thank you to Maximum Fun for having us on the network. You can go to maximumfun.org uh, and check out all the great shows there. Shows like uh, Story Break and Judge John Hodgman and Stop Podcasting Yourself and so many more. Um, let's see what else. So there's a new line of merch on McElroyMerch.com, and it's um, it's a brand that we're trying to get off the ground of just generic podcasting merchandise. Um, and for instance, there's a tie dye t-shirt that says hundred percent podcasts on it. And there's a coffee mug that says, don't talk to me. It's how I have my podcast. It's really, uh, very, very dumb. Uh, and all of our royalties for all, all of this collection are going to uh, an organization called ProAct West Virginia, uh, that is uh, designed to be an all in one referral point for addiction treatment and care in our hometown of Huntington, West Virginia. It is a, a, a cause near and dear to our hearts. And so we're happy to support them, uh, and, 
I don't know, if you like a lot of podcasts and don't mind explaining your um, the things you own to other people, this might be for you at McElroyMerch.com. I think that's it. Next episode is going to be up in two weeks on uh, September 20th. So I will talk to you then. Bye. Okay. Uh, two bad things are happening basically at the same time. Uh, you all were heading out the door when the brakes went off and uh, the car has very slowly now, just for a few moments, started to uh, descend down the uh, down the rail. Uh, the pulley is making this horrible, horrible squeaking noise. Um, and you all also have that presence outside that you were heading out to investigate. So who wants to go first? Duck's going after the presence. I feel like he's pretty focused on that. Okay. Uh, you head outside, back into the parking lot outside the station, and there doesn't appear to be anything that your non-magic eyes can just see with a quick glance. I I think he's got good, from, from his job, I think he would have good situational awareness. I think it's like, what is disturbed, right? Because sure. I'm assuming there's forest around here, that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Right like, up against the trail, there's like, it, it just backs up into the He's the not woods. like, he's not like a, a game tracker or anything, but I definitely think he would recognize, you know, a path or footprints or something if he saw it. That is a very good justification. I think that you, I, I actually don't think you need to roll anything. I think you see these same hoof prints uh, that you saw uh, out near uh, Leo's store. Um, and you, you, you know what hoof prints in the snow looks like because you fucking see them all the time at work. Right. They are, uh, they are indeed leading back into, uh, the woods, uh, that are sort of just off to the side of the Mount Kepler ski trails that the uh, station is right next to. Are you yeah, going I'm fo- to follow them? I'm following them. Okay. Aubrey, what are you doing? So what uh, that question will be answered by this question. What are the NPCs doing? Um, Muffy is still running around with, uh, or rather Winthrop is running around uh, with his arm still a bit on fire. I think he runs out into the parking lot and jumps into the snow and Muffy is tending to him. Uh, Juno is just kind of in shock because now she is just now kind of realizing that she just almost died and that duck who knew that the car was about to fall saved her life which is weird uh and the engineer is just frantically trying to get his radio to work but it is not they are all outside of the station and uh out of harm's way could ned drive down the hill ned absolutely could it would be very uh it would be buck a buck wild thing to do but he could for sure ned do you have a winch this car is already like is going okay yeah I'm just saying that, that Ned would jump in the car to try to drive down the hill to warn whoever is at the other station. Yes, for sure. There is no road. It is just sort of a snowy. Uh, there are some, some some trees that the rail cuts through, but there there is no road. You you can do it in the Lincoln, uh, but I'm I'm gonna have you I'm gonna have you roll for it. He's an excellent driver. Okay, <laughs> he's driving off a cliff, so we'll see. He's gonna put that Go to the fucking it, test. Just- yeah. Uh, okay, you are heading to your car, and Aubrey, uh, what are you doing? I Aubrey steps up and thinks like, okay, so I'm going to push the car over, right? So it's on its side instead of on its wheels, won't roll down, or like try to push it off the track or something. With, so with magic, it, right? Not just... With, yeah, okay. with like a force, like a, yeah, like with a big wind, you know, like she's used before to push duck. Um, and she steps up to do it and finds herself like, as she starts to think about it and like channel just basically her own voice in her head is like, don't fuck up. And like it, she can't focus. She can't do it. Okay. Um, yeah. I think you only have a split second to do this because like the train is now just out of the station and has started to roll down the hill and it is, it is picking up speed and it is well beyond the point now where you could, you know, reach it to blast it. So she runs back into where the dude uh, the engineer is right. Okay, is you is there, do you have his phone number? Can you call Mark? I mean, there's not a there's not a phone down there. We just use these fucking radios. I, I any kind of signal, a flare, 
um, a flag, anything. I don't have a flare. I don't have a flare gun. We don't, this, this doesn't happen. I can try yelling. And he just like runs down to the open door. I think it, he just takes off. He's now like running down the rail, like trying to chase the train. And he's just screaming, Mark, Mark, hey, Mark. Um, let's get to Duck. Uh, Duck, you are running into the woods and, uh, there is like ankle high snow in the ground. So you're having like a little bit of trouble as you are chasing after this thing. Uh, and you can't, you haven't like seen it yet. You've just been following the tracks in the ground. Uh, and you move through, uh, some brush and you start to see this hooded figure like 30 feet in front of you. Uh, and he doesn't appear to be having any trouble moving through the snow at all. And you're having a little bit of trouble just sort of keeping up pace with him. Uh, and then he disappears through like another layer of brush. Uh, and as you, you punch through that, uh, you see this figure waiting for you. Uh, it's got its hood up. It is still towering over you and uh he's holding in his hand just a, a, a an axe like a wood wood chopping axe um and you actually recognize that there is a like a sticker like a label on the handle and uh this axe belongs to the monongahela national forest service uh and he is waiting for you axe in hand uh as you come through the brush and uh end up about 10 feet away from him in a clearing. What do you do? Hey, wh- what the fuck? <laughs> it starts taking a, a step towards you. Are, is there any uh, handy sticks? <laughs> do you not have your sword on you? Yeah, I do have my sword. <laughs> I do have my sword on me. just felt like cheating. Um, I, I pull out Beacon. <clears throat> Doc Newton, you seem outmatched. Once again, you turn to me, Beacon, to help even the odds, ah? Huh? <laughs> hey, let, just pipe down for a second. Hey, I don't want to hurt hurt you. Maybe I do, because I don't actually know what or who you are. So there's a decent chance I want to hurt you, and I know this dude does. But, like, what the fuck? It starts to slow down for a second, as if it is kind of like second-guessing whether or not you're worth it. Uh, and I, I think it actually even turns turns back uh away from you for a second and then it rethinks it and it turns back to face you and starts walking towards you now kind of a little bit faster as it starts to rear up the axe ah shit (laughs) um all right then fine this is out of my nature though i do want that to be clear so we because we don't know each other so well uh but i guess i'm gonna kick its ass okay um i'm probably gonna swing though like at the arm with the axe like yeah oh like, i I'm, see okay i'm not trying to like kill like i'm not you know i'm trying to dis like diffuse the situation as best i can but i also know i'm dealing with like some otherworldly shit yeah so why don't you roll to uh to kick some ass and we'll see how well you do at this that is an eight plus uh two ten Awesome. Uh, so uh, you all will inflict harm on each other on a 10 plus. You can gain the advantage, take plus one forward or give plus one forward to another hunter. You inflict terrible harm. You suffer less harm or you force them where you want them. I'm going to force them where I want them. Okay. Uh, which is which would be on the ground. Uh, okay. What does this look like? Uh, okay. So the robed figure. The robed figure. I think probably comes in for a swing. Is that fair? You didn't say that, but I feel like that's what we're moving towards, right? Yeah, in for this sure. Moment. So in that moment, I think uh, Duck sort of swings up and hits the axe h- hard with with Beacon and whatever this thing is. I I think it makes sense to me at least that it's not ready for that. Like that, whether it is physically stunned or just like. Whoa! What the fuck is that? What what the fuck is going on here? This is unexpected. Um, it's, it's sort of like knocked off kilter, and then I just sort of uh, Dutch just sort of buries his shoulder into the do- thing's chest, whatever the thing is, and and knocks it to the ground. Okay, uh, so you didn't actually attack with the sword? No, I did. I used the sword to hit the axe, and it's like oh, okay, not, okay, okay. No, yeah, I wasn't like scaring it. No, I literally like hit its hit the axe and. Uh, I think sort of knocked it off balance and then fully knocked it off balance. Okay. 
So I guess the two harm is just from you shoulder shouldering it very it hard. It fell on a rock. It fell on a rock <laughs> and it hurt its butt. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think as the axe swung away from you, as you as you did disarm it, as you knocked this thing to the ground, uh, its uh, free hand, uh, the one that was not holding the axe, kind of swung around very, very quickly as you knocked it down uh, and just kind of pounded you uh, in the chest for two harm. But you don't take any of that. Um, and you knock it to the ground. Great. Uh, let's jump to Ned. Um, Aubrey, grab the radio and come on! And Ned jumps behind the steering wheel of the Lincoln and fires it up. He happens to remember that um, Mark is one of the best customers the Cryptonomica has. <laughs> okay. And he, he wants to warn the guy that something bad's coming. So he's going to try to drive down the hill using his amazing driving skills. Sure. Um, and his brand new chains. I wanted to point that out. Brand new chains. Said it all along. Brand new chains on the Lincoln. Okay, you did. That's right. God, you remember everything this game. It had to happen once. Yeah, sure. Um, you yelled for Aubrey. Aubrey, are you going with? Uh, yeah. Okay. Let's do it. I run and do kind of a cool Starsky and Hutch thing. Cool. Buckle in, please. Go! I slam the eight track. I slam uh, the soundtrack to Live and Let Die into the eight track and go plunging out of the parking lot and go driving down the hill, fishtailing back and forth and and trying to to dodge trees and and all kinds of, you know, like plunging through snow drifts, trying to keep pace and trying to pass the train. Okay. Uh, Go ahead and act under pressure for me. Eight plus one for cool. That's a nine. Uh, yeah. could Aubrey help? Uh, point, tell, point out tell- trees? Like, yeah, look out! And, like, jerking, uh, jerking the wheel or something, you know? Uh, yeah, sure. Go ahead and roll to help out. I have rolled Oh so my bad. god, Trav! It's a five. I don't help. Uh, no, and in fact, um, yeah, you don't do anything. You are exposed to the trouble or danger of the roll, um, and... Uh, yeah, okay, so no help there. You have a mixed success here. Um, so I'm going to get to the price of this mixed success, but for right now, you go uh, off the paved parking lot and just over the cliff, and I think everybody sees you like, oh, shit, what? What? How? Oh, God. How? Why? Huh? As your uh, Lincoln goes goes over the hill, and sure enough, you are driving down uh, this this very very steep sort of hillside uh, alongside the rail and dodging trees and rocks and debris as you go. As Aubrey sort of points it out, and you manage to get alongside the train car. Here's the choice I'm going to give you: you can get past this train and you can get down to that base station uh, before the train does, but you are going to come in very 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 hot. You're going to come in, uh, you know, faster than a speeding train, uh, and you have no real guarantees that you are going to be able to stop safely. Or would I have time to pull in front of it? Yes. I mean, you could do either thing. Uh, but again, the, the, the choice I'm giving you here is like, you're going to, the Lincoln is going to get, it's, it's not going to uh survive no the lincoln will survive we'll we'll roll to determine that but it will take a hit you're going to put your car in danger basically to uh fix this situation because i think getting down the hill before the train safely is now impossible um so you can either drive down and crash into the station which will probably get the people out of it or you can try to intercept the train car uh so which which option are you going with here mac i'm gonna go with the collide and, and and try to try to slow it down or stop it. I was thinking that if he can accelerate enough and and jump the the Lincoln in front of the train and then hit the brakes and the emergency brake and everything else that it might at least slow the train down so it won't crash into the station as badly. Okay. Um yeah, I think that's going to definitely be another act under pressure role, and this one is going to be, uh, I, I will say, a lot more high stakes than the last one is because that's kind of the position that you now find yourself in. Okay, so he hits the gas, he floors it, it goes shooting up, 
and then he hits the steering wheel to the left and it jumps over the tracks. Those chains just dig right in and he hits the brakes, hits the emergency brake. I rolled the 10. Uh, cool. Plus one for cool. Yeah. Which is you, 11. Uh, you do what you set out to. Sick. You get the Lincoln in front of this tram. Uh, again, it's just like a single, small single car tram. Uh, and it was uh, going very, very fast. You, you managed to just barely get ahead of it. Uh, and as you slam on your brake, you can see it uh, start to slow down. Uh, and you, you feel actually some metal in the back of your car crumpling, but it's not going to give way entirely because it's a Lincoln. It's a very sturdy, sturdy beast. Um and a sturdy American automobile. <laughs> and you still have some time before you reach the station. However, there is one problem, and that is the counterweight that is now coming up towards you from the bottom of the track uh from the base station. Uh that is uh fairly fairly sizable and is moving at you fairly quickly. The tram is designed to sort of harmlessly go over it, but your car is not your car does not have the height that the tram has. And so that is going to be a situation uh unless you can figure out some way out of it. How fast are we moving? Uh I'd say you got it down to about forty miles an hour. Hey Ned? Hmm? We should jump. Oh, I just got it waxed. I just... Uh, 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 all right, let's jump. Okay. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to make you roll for this because this is a sacrifice that is uh, considerable. Isn't uh, there a lot of snow? Uh, yeah, sure. No, I'm not talking about your life being sacrificed. I know. I love that car. <laughs> we'll get you a new car, Ned. Uh, okay. You all dive out the side. Wait, 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 wait. I pulled the Live and Let Die 8-track out of the 8-track player because that (laughs) is irreplaceable. Okay. Uh, And with that, you uh, tuck and roll out of the vehicle and are uh, harmlessly caught by a uh, a thick pad of snow. uh, And you roll to a stop. And seconds after you do so, you see the counterweight uh, smash into the Lincoln. And the Lincoln now sort of gets tied up between the counterweight and the tram. Uh, and I think with that, the tram also now skips the tracks uh, and now is kind of tumbling down the hill. And now all of it, the the counterweight and the tram uh, and, and your car kind of tied up in this cable uh, are very, very slowly, slowly skidding to a halt uh, just in front of the base station. Oh, Poor Ruby. <laughs> I'm I'm proud of you, Ned. <laughs> and the eight track got smashed. <laughs> oh God. I'll have to steal another one from McCartney. Uh let's get back to Duck. You have knocked this thing down to the ground and disarmed it. Uh and as you've done so, as it kind of rolled uh on the ground, you you see that its hood has come off of its head. And what you see there poking out of this this brown robe, you see a goat's head. It looks a lot like Vincent, actually. It looks like it could be uh it looks like it could be Vincent's very, very jacked uh brother. Uh, but there is a, a goat man uh, laying on the ground in front of you. What do you do? Vincent? It looks up at you, and it just has these these wild eyes and these kind of scared eyes, uh, and it starts bleeding at you very, very loudly. Uh, and it doesn't seem to like recognize you. I don't know if that's what you're going for, but uh, it is. It is just kind of shouting at okay, you. Okay, this as is you're on top of it. Duck is like realize that he does not have the Greco-Roman training that maintaining the situation <laughs> is going to require. So I want you to imagine <laughs> clumsily uh, while holding the goat man's arm, axe arm down with his left hand, or sorry, with his left foot. He reaches over with his right hand and like punches the goat's wrist to try to get it to let go of the axe. It is very ungraceful and probably ineffective. Uh, no, yeah, you've definitely definitely disarmed it at this point. Okay. Uh, and I think he is I think he is wrestling to uh, get you off of him. Are you trying to maintain this position? Yes, I'm trying to maintain the, the grip so I can... Uh, I mean, he's just bleeding at me. Uh, uh, remind me, I'm having some trouble remembering, is there any reason why... Uh, 
someone from Sylvain wouldn't necessarily be able to understand me. Like they can speak our language, right? Yeah. Or I mean, we we speak the same language. I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, for sure. There is no reason why this goat man would not be able to understand you if he's from Sylvain. Okay. Um, but it's it, this goat man starts just shouting more and more and more, and it's just echoing through the trees, and then it is answered by another oh. loud bleat uh, nearby in the brush, and then a second, oh, f- uh, also close by. Fuck. And then two more robed goatmen step out of the brush, flanking their companion. <clears throat> one of them is wielding a shovel, and the other one is wielding a large pair of shears. And they see you on top of their goat brother and start charging in your direction. By the time they have, uh, I have first seen them and realized what was developing. As soon as they get within eye shot of of me, they notice that maybe even without me sort of necessarily doing it, Beacon has now coiled its way around the goat's throat. <laughs> the two goat men stop and they look at each other and you can't tell if they're scared or confused as they turn to you with silent attention hold up hold up y'all don't know me listen I, I i i would not just kill your friend lying here unarmed to the ground like this but i most definitely would MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported. Judge John Hodgman ruled in my favor. Judge John Hodgman ruled in my friend's favor. Judge John Hodgman ruled in my favor. I'm Judge John Hodgman. You're hearing the voices of real litigants, real people who have submitted disputes to my internet court at the Judge John Hodgman podcast. I hear their cases. I ask them questions. They're good ones. And then I tell them who's right and who's wrong. Thanks to Judge John Hodgman's ruling, my dad has been forced to retire one of the worst dad jokes of all time. Instead of cutting his own hair with a flow beat, my husband has his hair cut professionally. I have to join a community theater group. And my wife has stopped bringing home wild animals. It's the Judge John Hodgman podcast. Find it every Wednesday at MaximumFun.org or wherever you download podcasts. Thanks, Judge John Hodgman. Listen, we already know that you love genre movies, film craft, and female filmmakers. So, if you love all those things, then by transitive property, you love my podcast, Switchblade Sisters. Hi, I'm film critic April Wolf. Every week, I have a conversation with a different female filmmaker about their favorite genre film. Each episode covers the filmmaking process, working in the film industry, and just like general geeking out about awesome movies. I've had such great guests like the big sick writer Emily Gordon. To me, indie movies as of late have come to be a catch-all term for a movie that kind of defies genre. Billy Madison and half-baked director Tamara Davis. When a comedian comes and enters onto my set, they're they're just there to be funny and we're all ready and waiting for them to be funny. Horror industry veteran and actor Barbara Crampton. That's where real drama lies for me. What's What's between you and I speaking right now? Where, where are we meeting? And what's the energy that we create between us? And so many others. So check out Switchblade Sisters every Thursday on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts.